John chapter 1, verse 19. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am the Christ. Excuse me. I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the straps of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Spirit, once again we come to your word and we ask that you energize our thoughts and our hearts to receive it, learn from it, and grow from every word. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So the Apostle John here is opening his section here about John the Baptist. And one of the things that he and the other Apostles, the Apostle John and the other Apostles, want to make clear is who this John the Baptist is because he had great uh, influence. He had a great reputation. People were coming to see him. A lot of people wondered who he, who he was. Was, the, was he... The Messiah, the Christ, or was he one that was was preparing the way for the Christ, uh, Elijah? Uh, was he a prophet? And he's, he's saying no to these things. So from the Apostle John's perspective, he wants to set out that John did not want to be followed. He didn't he, he did not see himself as the Messiah and those that might have thought that he was in that significant role. Uh, should look in another direction, and that direction, of course, is Jesus Christ. I think it will help us to just gain some perspective. Some of these passages, for some, would be familiar. For others, it might not be. So let's just turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, and starting at verse 11, I'll have some sections of Scripture here to read, but just helps us to get perspective on what was happening at the time of John the Baptist and the Apostles. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out, crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all in the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to see him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. That's what I want you to see in this portion of Mark. All in the country of Judea and all in Jerusalem, probably doesn't mean every individual in that region, but there's a massive response to the uh, John the Baptist in his ministry. Verse 6, Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus of Nazareth of Galilee, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, Avoid the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. And then Jerusalem and all Judea and all region about the Jordan were going out to him and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sin. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Remember, the Sadducees are the liberals, the Pharisees are the conservatives. Verse 8, Bear witness in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. We drop our, let our eyes go down to verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire often symbolizing judgment. Luke chapter 3. Let's read a few verses here. It starts in the same way with Luke, recounting this ministry of John the Baptist, but Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 18, again, pointing towards what Isaiah had prophesied in Isaiah 40, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, each with that phrase, the voice crying of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, coming from Isaiah chapter 40, 
verse 7. He said, Therefore to the crowds that came to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And then he continues on there. We looked at this passage a couple weeks ago when we touched on John the Baptist in the prologue. When the Apostle John actually touches on John the Baptist in the prologue. We let our eyes drop down. Luke chapter 3 verse 18. So with many other exhortations he preached good news to the people. It's good news that John the Baptist is preaching to the people. Sometimes we think that when he, he speaks sternly, that he's speaking sternly only to the religious folk, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which Matthew makes a point of marking out. But in Luke, verse 7, he said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. So Luke is making the point too that the crowds as well were not in step with God as they ought to be, as well as the religious leaders. And our passage for today, John chapter 1, verse 19 and following, of course, there are some things that we need to recognize in the passage, and then we'll, we'll look a little further for what it means for us today. And this is the testimony, verse 19. So the Apostle John is moving into the section on witnesses. It's very important for the Apostle John in his Gospel to, to highlight and make note of those who are giving witness to Jesus. So he starts out here with John the Baptist. That word testimony or giving witness, John uses 75 times in all of his writings. So it's a very important point for John. When the Jews... Again, I've touched on this when he speaks of the Jews. In certain contexts, it means the nation of Israel, but very, very, very often it means the religious authorities. Some have taken this to mean some uh, sort of anti-Semitism and or have lifted it from this passage and tried to make John be that way. Well, that's not what John is saying at all. When he says the Jews, and we'll see this very often through the Gospels, so we want to have that in our thinking as we try to understand his gospel, he's referring to the religious authority. So when the Jews sent the authorities from the, from the temple, Jerusalem, sent priests and Levites. The priests were those who officiated in religious ceremonies. They were the theologians. And they officiated in religious ceremonies and they scattered out through the country. They came to Jerusalem to serve two weeks out of, of a year. The rest of the time they were through the through the country of Israel, with the, with the people teaching them the things of God. The Levites were those who served, they helped the priests. And the temple guard also came out of the Levites, which leads scholars to think that these Levites were actually the security detail for the priests. Because they're coming in, they're being sent from Jerusalem, the priests are coming into an area with John, where John the Baptist is, is carrying out his ministry. There's liable to be conflict there. They're going to confront John the Baptist. And so these Levites are there probably uh, providing security. Verse 20, he confessed and did not deny but confessed. So John is giving this threefold denial. The Apostle John is reporting that John the Baptist gives a threefold give emphasis. He confessed. Did, did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Are you Elijah? These 
Jewish leaders, religionists, and then the people of, of the nation were expecting uh, something magnificent to happen before the Messiah came. They looked back into Malachi, Malachi chapter 3. They, they look and they're, they're thinking to themselves, well, uh, uh, Elijah will come. Elijah will, will come before the Messiah. And then and the, the king, before the Messiah sets up his kingdom. Remember the Jewish people were very concerned about the, the kingdom, looking forward to it. After 300 years of persecution into the Greeks and the Romans, they're ready to get some relief ready to have some relief from that perse persecution. So they're looking for not only military, that for sure, that the Messiah would come and overthrow the Romans militarily, but looking for a kingdom to be set up with peace. Some were emphasizing the, the peace of, that the Messiah would bring. Some were emphasizing the righteousness that the Messiah would bring. But there was this fervor, this anticipation. If you are Elijah, that meant a lot. We remember in Luke, we won't turn there, but Luke chapter 1, when um, John's mother and father, elderly couple that they were, were informed they were going to be having a baby. The angel says that he will, he will minister, he will minister in the spirit of Elijah. And say he was Elijah in the spirit with, with boldness and authority and and great confidence in the word of God like Elijah. So they want to know, are you, are you the Christ, are you the Messiah? No. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? They, they were thinking, the religious thought then was that someone, a deliverer would come. Someone like Moses, a deliverer would come and deliver the nation of, of Israel. And that would be the, the kingdom. And they're, they're seeing all of these people come to John the Baptist in, in being attracted to his message and something different is take, taking place in John. So that's the backdrop. Why these, these people are coming to inquire and investigate what is happening with John the Baptist. They say they're being sent for from the Pharisees. In verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. The idea there is make straight the way of the Lord in the ancient days when a, a ruler from a particular nation or a, a particular group of people traveled from one area to another, they would send someone out ahead to clear away the debris in the wilderness so that when the authority came through, it was a clear way, a clear pathway, a clear pathway to, to, uh, for that authority to travel. And so here he's saying, make straight the way of the Lord. Basically, clear the clutter out of your life. Clear the obstacles in your life that are prohibiting you from being in right relationship with God. Whatever is on that pathway, clear that, set that aside. So he says, I'm a voice. And then we go on down and we... Uh, see, he mentions the sandal there. The next day he saw Jesus. We go down to verse 32. John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained. It remained. In the Old Testament, the, the Spirit was present, of course, 
but it came for a period of time for a, on, a, on a person for a particular ministry so that they would fulfill the ministry. When the ministry was complete, the, the, the Spirit was, was not present with that person in an anointing way to help them fulfill that ministry. So present with them in that kind of temporary sort of way. But here, the reason the word remained is mentioned twice. Verse 32 and then in verse 33, the Spirit remained that the Spirit came, it, it symbolizes permanence. The Holy Spirit comes uh, uh, in, in an anointing way, as in the history of Israel, that, that the Spirit would anoint a leader, a king, uh, would anoint that, that individual. But this time, the Spirit came and remained. So that's being highlighted here too. Interesting, on verse 29, the next day, there are several next days. We won't get to all the next days this week, but ne next week we'll see the next days. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's an enormous statement, of course. The, the Lamb of God, we have a more clear picture of what that statement would mean from a Christian context, from where we rest today, than they would have in that first century. But even at that point, uh, the Lamb of God, they would have been probably thinking, the Apostle John's probably trying to communicate something connected to the Passover. And in his Gospel, he, he'll emphasize the Passover. So there's some sort of emphasis there with the Lamb that God is providing that uh, will take away this sin that is mentioned. It's, it's, a lamb, it's a lamb of deliverance. It's God's way of delivering people. But their mind would have been triggered some, perhaps with Abraham and Isaac. Sacrifice shows up, might have triggered it. Might have triggered it, you know, the, in, in, a, in an end times view, some might have been thinking the powerful Lamb of God, the Lamb of God is here, Revelation kind of Lamb of, might have been thinking that way, but probably the Apostle John is, is thinking Passover sacrificial Lamb because he does say, who takes away the sins of the world. So when he uses the word world here, he's meaning humanity in general. Humanity, it's a common problem that human beings have this sin problem. That here we see specifically stated, takes away the sin, not of some of the world, or a portion of the world, takes away the sin of the world. And He takes it away, we don't take it away. He's able to do something that we're unable to do. Kind of makes us remember what we were reflecting on a few moments ago. He's able to do something that we're unable to do coming right out of John takes away the sin of the world. Sin is an obstacle that lies in the way that does need to get cleared away for us to be in relationship with God. The sins, plural, come out of the sin, singular, our sin condition, we all share that of the world, but that needs to get cleared away. He mentions the world. John will mention the world many, many times. 
And it will be clear to us, he's not teaching any kind of universalism. That doesn't mean all of the people in the world will have their sin removed. Remember John 1.12, those who received him, he gave the right to be children of God. Not everyone will receive him, but all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of ethnicities, all kinds of races, all kinds of languages, all kinds of culture, all people all throughout the world will have their sins forgiven, have their sin condition removed. So he's stressing that here. Takes away the sin of the world. We'll see here in just a moment how radical these statements are. So, John the Baptizer, known as John the Baptist, really the baptizer. He's the one that's doing the baptizing. Is probably a better descriptor of who John is. Uh, he, he's a very unique character, as you know. He had a supernatural, supernatural birth, but a natural at the same time. Jesus had supernatural in the sense of Mary receiving conception by the Holy Spirit, supernatural, but for John the Baptist, his was natural in the sense of human father, human mother, but they're advanced in age. In fact, his, his father, Zechariah, can't believe it. He has to go through a period of where he can't talk because he had some questions about that. They're really advanced in age. In that culture, advanced in age, which would mean that Elizabeth uh, may be 60 years old or, or more. They're advanced in age, but then John the Baptist comes. Just this baby John shows up on the scene, so he has this supernatural but natural background. He's also, as I already mentioned, filled with the Holy Spirit while in the womb, completely unique, unique individual. We, we find in Luke's writings that it, it's the Holy Spirit is present right there in the womb. And you remember when Jesus... Uh, and John actually meet in the sense of them being in their mother's womb. John leapt, leapt for joy. The Holy Spirit's present and working. Very unique individual. And uh, he ministered in this Elijah-like way. He claims, he declares that he's not Elijah, but Elijah-like. Luke 1, 16-17. And he will turn away many, not all, he will, he will, he will turn many, from the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people who are prepared. And Jesus himself in Matthew 11 says that there's not had been any other born of women, born of woman, to have arisen as greater than John the Baptist. What was he doing there? And what was the attraction? And what was it that really captured the attention of these religious leaders? He preached this bold message of being ready. He preached a, a message for people to prepare their hearts, make straight the way of the Lord. We see there that People, that he's telling people to uh, repent, to turn towards 
God. He's saying many other things beyond that. We saw in Luke that there are many things that he's saying concerning the gospel. He's encouraging and pressing upon people. But he's preaching this bold Elijah-like message because of his confidence in his call from God. He's preaching to them a readiness. A be ready. The Messiah is coming. He's being clear to them that, that uh, there's these barriers in their life and he's, he's pushing upon them to remove those barriers before it's too late. And the, and the Messiah will be coming. There's one that is coming. There's one that is present. They haven't seen yet. He's present. Get ready. So the scriptures say it's a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. We can, we can think that he's, he's baptizing. He's proclaiming readiness. Get ready. The time is now. Don't put this off any further. So he's really, really pressing down on the people in, in this way. Get ready. Now he's also calling these people to great risk and personal sacrifice. Great risk and personal sacrifice. In his preaching, much like Elijah, much like Jesus, very bold, very confident, confident in God, confident in the Word of God, confident in His mission, and very, very direct with people, wanting to get through, wanting to break through with people. But He's calling them. Part of that call, an enormous part of the call, is for them to take great risk with their life. Great personal sacrifice in their life. Get ready. Get ready for the Messiah. Get ready for Jesus. And there's going to be sacrifice involved in that. Personal sacrifice involved in that. Great risk involved in that. Where is that message today? But great risk involved. It's easy. In 2021, all you have to do is believe. Is there any risk in Christianity today? I touched on this a couple weeks ago. Is there any risk? Now imagine these people. That's why the leaders are showing up. These people John is baptizing are Jews. They're not Gentiles. Judaism baptized converts, proselytized. Gentiles who converted to Judaism. That was a ceremonial washing, a ceremonial cleansing of of a Gentile who had crossed over. They had, committed, they had made this commitment to Judaism, to Yahweh, the, the religion of, of Judaism and all that that meant with the sacrifices and the God of Israel. They had crossed over. There were some ritual washings in Judaism that were present. But these people, the crowds coming from Jerusalem and Judea, that's why I wanted you to see that. They're coming from Jerusalem and Judea, not Babylonia. They're coming from Jerusalem and Judea, Jews, to confess their sin and get right with God. Now, religious orthodoxy taught you are right with God. You're the people of God. What are you, what are you doing? John, what are you doing? You, you are the people of, of God. You're, you have the blood running through you. Abraham, Isaac, 
Jacob, Moses is in your background, Isaiah, Jeremiah, you are the people. You've been in exile, the Assyrian exile, the Babylonian exile. What are you doing? Can you imagine? Here's a, a, a Jewish woman. She comes, here's John. She's, she says, yes, I'm not right. There's debris that needs to be cleaned out of my life. Man comes, husband. There's debris. I, I need to get, before he comes to, before that one comes baptizing with fire, I better get some things straightened out. I'm going to cross over. I'm going to be in John the Baptist's camp and admit my shortcomings as a Jew that I need to get some things right. Repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And the leaders would come and say, you know, what are you repenting of? You're a Jew. Yes, we have our sacrifices. You need to conform to the religion you do. But it, it, you're conducting yourself like a Gentile. What do, you, what do you think you're doing? So the, the religious leaders come out and say, are you the prophet? Are you Isaiah? By whose authority are you baptizing? Because the authority rests in Jerusalem. And here comes this guy been out in the wilderness. And he, by the way, he's wearing you know, camel's hair and a leather belt. And he's eating differently. We thought about this last two weeks ago. He's different. What I'm emphasizing is the point that I'm trying to make is that you will see in the Apostle John in his writing, in the Gospels, and in the Apostle Paul, there is risk and personal sacrifice involved in following Jesus Christ. And I would like to know where that is, that message is today. You saw that two weeks ago. I asked the questions, what have you forsaken for Jesus? Well, they're forsaking something because those religious leaders are looking at that woman and they're going, uh-huh. You're going to get in that Jordan River? You're going to deny your Jewish, Jewish heritage? Uh-huh. Then we'll see about that. We'll deal with you later. We're going to deal with John right now. No personal sacrifice. No risk. 21st century America. Everybody lamenting the condition of the world we we need some people living with risk, personal sacrifice. That's what we see here. Get used to it. The Apostle John is all about that. Jesus is all about that. You're not worthy of me if you don't pick up that cross. If you don't deny yourself. Yeah, they're at great risk of being seen as denying their national identity, denying their ethnic heritage, denying their religion. So enormously important for these people. It's not that they're turning their back. They're not really turning their back on their ancestors. They're just getting things squared up and cleared up in their mind about who is coming and the responsibility that they personally have. So there's some life lessons we can learn from John the Baptizer. The first one is humility. 
we look at this, this wonderful man, different, <laughs> a different man, for sure dressed differently, ate differently, had a different background. Not much as, we don't know much about John after those opening chapter, that opening chapter there in Luke. But apparently he was out in the wilderness for a long time, years. And we learn from reading these portions that the Lord spoke to him. He was learning from the, the Lord. message from the Lord. He's calling directly from God. But he has great humility. You know, John, John Baptist is interesting because can't you imagine that here comes these religious leaders and they're representing the, the people, but people would have had kind of a curious idea about John anyway. Who are you? Who do you think you are? Well, I'll tell you who I am. This way it would be today. I'll tell you who I am. My daddy was a priest. My daddy, now don't go messing with me because my daddy has a long history here and he was a priest. He was the right kind of fella and so was my mother. She was the right kind of woman. That's who, that's who I am. And let me tell you who I am. I'm, I'm the one that is out here that has sacrificed all of these pleasures that you enjoy so much. That's who I am. You want to come to me? You want to come deal with me? Can you, can you get inside of his head? He's quite a man. He has a pedigree. He knows Judaism. He, does, he himself says he doesn't know Jesus, yet he doesn't know Him in the intimate, close way, even though he's a distant relative, he doesn't know Jesus. Who are you? And then he says, I'm not, I'm not worthy to even untie the thong of that one's sandal. There's one that's coming. I'm no... What's he saying? I'm a voice. He didn't say, I'm a man. I'm a grandchild. I'm an aunt and an uncle. I'm an official. I'm a wannabe official. I'm a voice. What's a voice? He downplays himself. He downplays himself. I'm a voice. Great humility. The attitude John has is that Jesus should increase. He should decrease. And this is when a lot of people are coming out to see him. Uh, uh, he's attracted a lot of attention. A man of great humility. Well, he's also one who is confident in the Word, confident in the bold proclamation of the Word of God. He doesn't, he doesn't dial down the message to an easy accept message. Huh. He doesn't dial it down. It's forceful. Repent. Jesus has the same kind of message. We could go down the line. With all the characters in the Bible, Elijah, Jeremiah, or the Apostle Paul, Peter. How about the martyr Stephen in Acts? 
bold, competent, authoritative proclamation and not dialed down so it's easy to digest. Because, you know, we're trying to attract the people that it really wouldn't appeal to. That's not there. As we saw in the book of Luke, that is not the deal with, with these people. No, it's almost as if they're making it just as hard as possible for the people to get into the kingdom. But what they want them to know is there's a cost. You will pay a price to follow Jesus. You will pay a price. There's great risk. If you sincerely want to get things right with God, there's a risk. Get ready to risk something. You're going to lose something. He boldly proclaims and calls these people to repent from what? Repent from belittling God. That's the same message today, by the way. Repent from belittling God. God of no importance in day-to-day -day life. Quit belittling the centrality and the authority of Jesus. Lay down some preferences, grasp hold of some of His preferences. So He's calling out in the wilderness a voice crying out in the wilderness. Maybe you will be a voice crying out in the wilderness. Stop belittling God. Stop belittling Jesus Christ. So John is this very unique character who is a witness and he draws attention to Jesus and not himself. It's why he's ministering in an Elijah-like spirit. Same for the other apostles. They consider themselves of no, no account of other prophets and, and the apostles to come. They consider themselves of no account. They, 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 he wants to put the, the attention on Jesus. He, he, he testified. He bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove. But they're asking, who are you? Why are you baptizing? I Why are you baptizing, John? I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. He's going to be coming. Don't be worried about me. Worry about the one who is coming. That's a good reminder for me, perhaps for you. Don't be concerned about all these other things we could be very concerned about in our life be worried about the one be concerned about the one who is to come the one who is coming in these last days he is on his way he is coming be concerned about him and clear out the debris john is a witness for jesus and not himself you know as i mentioned a couple weeks ago john's a first century celebrity preacher He's got a lot of celebrity. He, 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 nowadays, I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't see this, but nowadays, it's kind of hard sometimes to see who's more important. It, it's kind of like this, the, the, the celebrity mouth, the, the, the celebrity is up here and you know, Jesus is in second place. 
That's not biblically, that's not the picture we see in the Bible. How wonderful and how great and how, how eloquent, how pretty. John says, don't worry about me. You worry about Jesus. I'm here to give testimony and to give, wisdom, give witness to Him. Now, John has this very simple lifestyle. Can't preach like this, like John does. He's very unique, of course, obviously. Very one of a kind, John the Baptist. By the way, he is one of a, one of a kind. But don't let that attitude ever kind of, don't, don't, don't try to trick yourself and get off the hook. Well, that's John the Baptist. I'm no John the Baptist. Well, why do you think he's in the Bible? Or someone might say, well, that's Jesus. I'm no Jesus. You can go on down the line. See the excuses we can make? Well, that's, that's Elijah. That's not... That's Moses. That's the, I'm the Moses. That's the that's the Apostle Paul of all people. The, I'm no Apostle Paul. Letting ourselves off the hook. Making you're making an excuse. You're making an excuse. They don't allow for any of that. Paul, the Apostle Paul says, imitate me, as I strive to imitate God. There's, there's none of this. Oh well, that's Peter. I, I could never measure up to Peter. Well, of course. We can't. None of us can. None of, nobody's claiming to say that you're Isaiah. <laughs> no, no one's claiming to say that you're this great figure in the Scriptures. Moses. But that doesn't get us off the hook. We're looking at, at character features, character qualities here of John the Baptist, but we see it in the other the apostles. And most importantly, Jesus Christ. Well, that was Jesus. He, that's the way he was. But I could never live up to that. We're called to live up to that. Seeking forgiveness, seeking the power of the Spirit in our life to live up to that. He lives a simple lifestyle that reflects this commitment to God. What's all of this garment, this leather belt, he's eating these foods? Why would they be pointing this out? Why would the Apostle John, the others, point this out? Well, that's kind of the, the garb the, the, the garb and the practices that the prophets, that kind of reflects the prophets. He's kind of looking like, living like one of those old time prophets. Wow, he might be the one because he's living like no one else lives. He's got this complete commitment. He's dressed this way, he's eating this way. It's a visual reminder. It, it, it's, it's a visual that he's not adopting the things of the world. He's not going to go that way. He doesn't. And, and by the way, you need to be clearing the debris out of your road. You don't need to be living that way like they're doing over there in Jerusalem. You don't need to be. You need to be paying attention to God and your relationship with God. You don't need to be concerned about in, in His person. Whatever image we. we come up with but those that clothing and that food he's different he's completely different than anyone else we're going to have to be different not suggesting that you eat or dress like John the Baptist 
but we're going to have to be different. Time is short. The people with the gospel, the people with the truth, have to be different. One of the ways we are different is in simplicity. John rejects these priorities of the world and he prioritizes the Holy Spirit. Notice he's not prioritizing water baptism. Now water baptism is a bad. He's in the Jordan River. He's in, he, there's a lot of water around John and so that, that's important. But notice as we come through the Apostle John, read in the Apostle John and here reading about John the Baptist, He's talking about the Spirit. Verse 20, 32. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on Him. And then in verse 33. He who sent me to baptize with water, God, said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is He who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Notice the importance of the Holy Spirit. For the apostles, for the John the Baptist, when he talks about baptism in the Holy Spirit, he's not talking about getting slain in the Spirit, rolling around down here on the floor, doing a bunch of upheavals, and somebody coming over and throwing your blanket on you until you come to into your, sen into your senses. That's not what the picture is in the New Testament. Holy Spirit coming on to somebody to equip them and energize them, build them up to serve God in ways that are can be communicated to other people. Building up the church and communicating to other people. There are those who resist it, resist it, resist it. But that's the Spirit working in that person. He's emphasizing the priority of Spirit baptism, not the water baptism. Again, it's not the water baptism is, is not important. It is important. But here, it's the Spirit. Romans 8 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. You can almost hear the Apostle Paul saying, No matter how many times you go out and jump into the Jordan River, if you don't have the Spirit of God, the Spirit is priority for John the Baptist and Paul. Finally, he's a witness to true spirituality. People running around, looking about their spirituality. You see them on TV, they write books, very popular, exclusive, exclusive message of Jesus is not there. With John, he hadn't met Jesus. He's declaring. He's, he's, he's holding firm. He's preaching. He's proclaiming re this repentance. There's one that is coming. He hadn't seen him. Now Jesus does show up here, but he hadn't seen him yet. Something powerful is going to happen. He's walking by faith. He's exercising faith in this situation. He's a, a man of integrity, as I already mentioned. His, his garments and his, his food and his, his way of living and his way of 
communicating, as bold as it was, offensive for many, I'm sure, as, as bold as that was, he was, he was walking in integrity with the assignment God had given him, who he was as one called from God. And that message, that message indicates true, true spirituality as well. He's coming with a message that honors and glorifies who? Jesus Christ. That's, that's who he's preaching. That's who he's calling people to repentance to, to, to move towards Jesus, move away from belittling God and teaching people that they'll find the wonders and the glories of God in Jesus Christ. He's preaching to them the demands of the gospel. His message indicates a true spirituality. So here we have John the Baptist. We'll move on to see Jesus calling apostles next week. John will show up on the scene a few more weeks and then he's gone. Jesus is priority. Not only for John the Baptist, but for the Apostle John as well. If there's anyone here who has not prioritized Jesus in your life, repented of having Jesus on the back burner, ignoring Jesus, looking at Jesus as just one of other prophets or other gods, and re repented of who we are as sinners, you can do that today. You can turn from that mindset and condition and turn towards God and ask God to lead you into new life. 